from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to The Superiority Complex, your new favorite podcast. Welcome, everyone. We're here with uh, remotely uh, Handsome Dan Handsome, a.k.a. Jake. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing good. The great Justine Weenie. That's Justine to you and me. Hi, Justine. Welcome, everybody. Patrick is here, of course. Our fr- Our friend Patrick McGowan, a.k.a. The Prisoner. No, just Patrick. How you doing, Patrick? Doing well. Oh, you don't sound well. well. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm right. You sound a little quiet. No, no, I'm good. No complaints from me. If you, if, if Justine is hurting you. Just clear, Blink twice, just can't clear, see me. Clear your throat. <laughs> just clear your throat. There you go. Okay. We'll be over, right over. John Sandy is here. I am not the number. I am a human being. That's it. And then we play. I am not a crook. All you need is love. And then a guy in a monkey suit comes out and it's great. And we all wonder what the yeah. hell it was. That was the 60s. Man. Right. Am I right? In a nutshell. That's it. <laughs> uh, shout out to yeah. Kyle Dodson. Biggest fan of The Prisoner I know. Uh, ah. welcome guys. So we have a, we have a busy week. We have a, a great digital movie club, but there, a lot happened since we talked to you last. Some good, some bad, mostly bad, mm. but a little good. Um, yeah. So, whew, wow. What a week. What a news cycle this week. Uh, you know, the biggest news of all was that, uh, uh, President Trump got, uh, the COVID. Got, went out and got himself the COVID. Who saw this coming? I, I certainly didn't. <laughs> I think all of everybody. <laughs> I certainly would have never predicted that a man who who just, uh, you know, flaun- flounced the rules so uh, Is that the word I'm looking for? Flounced? John, is that yeah. the word? Flout. He's Flout, a flautist. Flautist. Okay. It all works. He's a flautist. A man who ignored the, the warning signs. I, I, I'm shocked. Shocked! To find that he has COVID. And listen, let me tell you guys something, okay? Uh, I don't know if you saw John on social media. You're not big on social media, but the rest of you kids saw something. Interesting phenomenon happened, uh, you know, like you know, a f- several hours into this, uh, people start saying, well, you know, it, 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 here, we, we, we come with the, with the, with the teeth sucking and the, and the, and the finger wagging and saying... <laughs> Oh, you you shouldn't make you shouldn't make fun make light of the president. It's bad, bad. This is bad. It reflects poorly on you. You don't oh, do really? that. That that is not nice really? to do. Now let me let me just say, I was I'm not overjoyed. We've talked about this. We've quoted this, John. You we the Clarence Darrow quote. You know, I've I've never wished anyone dead, but I've read a great many obituaries with a sense of satisfaction. Clarence Darrow. I'm paraphrasing. But look, there are people that have since day one of this administration have lived in terror. You know, DACA kids or, you know, same sex couples who are afraid of their rights getting taken away or, you know, let's, you know, if you want to bring up the kids at the at the at the border again that people seem to ignore, um, I'm, their lives have been miserable. Uh, since this guy took office. So, if certain people want to be happy about that, like like Chris Rock said, I understand. 
I understand. I get it. So you don't need to, to tone police other people about how they feel about uh, the president. Uh, and, and by the way, this is a guy who delights in being cruel. Uh, we've seen him yeah. mock. We've seen this him. This is the kind of guy that, uh, yeah, he pulls the, the kind of guy that pulls wings off of flies, you know? Yeah. So if there's anybody who was asking for this, <laughs> you know, right up to like a day before he got it. Yeah, just asking for it. Look, I'm not celebrating, but I don't feel sorry for the guy, and I don't think that you should all of a sudden just be like, "Oh well, let's lay off the guy." Because look, he he went into this with his eyes wide open. He knew the death as the death toll rose. He kept telling people it was nothing to worry about, and people kept dying, uh, and uh, he didn't care. So yeah, if if certain people are happy that he gets it, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna begrudge them that joy, uh, you know. So that's just, that's my, it is what it is. I'll just take that tack. How about that? (laughs) It is what it is. Remember what he said? uh, He said this at a rally, like uh, less than a week ago. He said, it just hits old people and sick people. In other words, it virtually affects nobody. (laughs) So if, if anybody on the planet was asking for this, it was him. (laughs) There you go. Well, now he's back. He's apparently got, he got Regeneron, which sounds like, like I said earlier, sounds like something out of resident evil. And um, so he's he's back. He's back, baby. So remember, guys, if you get the COVID, make sure you get uh, nothing but the best. And let me let me uh, stress this point. Nothing but the best socialized medical care. Mm. <laughs> right. Uh, paid for by the yeah. government. Paid for by the government. Yeah. And then you go in there and uh, you give you have them give you every experimental drug they can get their hands on. And uh, just dose you full of that, and you'll be back on your feet in no time, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's he's got that's what everybody uh, that's what everybody access to, he's got access to medicine that nobody else has got access to. And uh, Regeneron, the company, uh, they 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 participate in stem cell research. Just so you know, just uh, hey, look, I don't mm. report the hypocrisy. I mean, look, I'm sorry, I don't create the hypocrisy. I just report it. That's all we do. Mm. <laughs> But it looks like he's making. Mm. A, it looks like he's uh, back. Uh, uh, he's back, and uh, he's now spread it to uh, many in his inner circle, including uh, uh, Stephen Miller. <clears throat> I did not see that coming. <laughs> uh, the you know uh, something not to make light of. Uh, and what? Uh, what? Uh, who's the spokeswoman? The Kellyanne? What's her call it? Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne. Mm-hmm. Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne. Is it Kellyan or Kellyanne? There's two. Oh, there's oh. Two different people. He's- oh, <laughs> oh. The, there's the there's the uh, the White House the 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 yeah. Uh, I don't know her name. Uh, it's Keely something or else. It, Keely Smith. It's Keely something or other. <laughs> I hope it's not Keely Smith. Very disappointed. Maybe it's Kaylee. I don't know. To break all too my many Kellyans and Kellyans. Break all my uh, Louis Prima records if that's the case. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And now uh, Bloomberg News was reporting today that two, I was telling you, John, two of the valets, who is valets who carry the nuclear codes, uh, they seem to have been struck with uh, COVID. So this just keeps getting better and better. But uh, they say the the West Wing is just filled with people that are getting it because it's cramped quarters and nobody wears a mask. So, you know, it's not surprising. Mm. No word on yeah. whether uh, no word on whether uh, Joe Biden was infected at the um, at the debate. I feel like they're that... testing him every day, and he seems to be fine. They're testing him like every day because he was he was right there. I mean, they were like ten feet apart, but they're, yeah, they're testing him all the time. 
I feel like there was enough distance there, and it was a big enough space that uh, he probably. Dodged. I don't think he wanted to go that close to him either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Did they I shake mean, hands? I, I, I didn't see. Did they shake hands? They didn't shake hands. No, okay. didn't shake no, hands. no, no, no. Okay, no, no. Yeah, good. Okay, he that would have been on him at one point, but that was it. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right in the eyeball. Uh, yeah, so there we go. There we are. There we have. That's the COVID update. Um, yeah, we'll have to see how this goes. Uh, you know, he came out of it, and now he's just telling people it's nothing to worry about. Of course, uh, yeah. when you have the benefit of uh, everything that he, all the advantages he has at his disposal, of course, it's nothing. But uh, please be safe, and please be smart, and please take care of yourself. Um, you know, we we need as many listeners as we can, for God's sake. Um, if only do it for us. Do it for us, okay? You have to get to the end of the Digital Movie Club. The end is in sight. Mm. Uh, we're about. I two- wonder what the last movie. What, what will the last movie be? Uh, I don't know, but we're about two hundred movies in. Is that is that right, uh, Justine? We're about two hundred uh, movies. Hold on, I got you. I, I don't need, you, you, keep talking amongst. Keep talking. Amongst yeah, we have about three hundred movies. Picturing, uh, I'm picturing Justine at a bank of computers like Batman. She's got all these computers. It's printing out right now. Hold she's, on, she's, she's Oracle. We're at number 205 as of today when we do our next two. Wow. We're, well, we only have about 300 to go. So as of now. But, you know, many more are being added as we speak. I forgot, John. We didn't do Better Off Dead in the 80s. That's a that's an 80s classic. And uh, did do Fargo. Hmm? Wasn't Fargo ninety? Fargo's in the way. We're we're way off from Fargo. Eighty. No. Eighty-seven. Nope. Eighty. It takes place in eighty-seven or eighty-eight. Patrick, I hear you on the keys. You're the man in the. Uh yeah. Hold on. Why is it? I hate like now it's got a show, so it comes up with a show. Just do first, Fargo movie. Stupid reason. I did. I think it's 96, 96. right? 96? Yes. Hmm. There you go. You're right. Based in 87. There you go, boo-boo. That's how good it is. You thought it was an 80s movie. That's how much they nailed the timeline. You thought it was an 80s movie. Are we going to watch it? Hell yeah. Oh, my gosh. Did I tell you? What? That on TV, uh-huh. I guess on maybe on YouTube, uh-huh. they were talking about Father of the Bride. And I told Patrick, I'm like, look, Father of the Bride, always following me. No, thank you. <laughs> How was it? I think they were doing, I think they did a table read, but they all met up to do a reunion. Um, wow. I didn't get a chance to watch it yet because of school, but. Was Liz Taylor there? <laughs> Jesus. No. Uh. Spencer Tracy? <laughs> No. The late oh, Spencer Tracy. And I don't know what you're talking about. I'm good. We don't have to watch it. Oh no, we're not watching it. We only I think we only have one more Steve Martin movie coming up. And that's not for a long time. It's, uh, that's going to be uh that's gonna be that's gonna be Bowfinger, right? <laughs> it is, John, it is. <laughs> and Eddie Eddie Murphy's so good in it though. Uh, hey, we missed. Uh, we didn't get to do pennies from heaven. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, John. We're probably not going to do that one. Uh, you know, John, we do have some good news though. Uh, mm. 
Last one when we last spoke, uh, the Dodgers were about to embark on their postseason hunt, uh, and uh, the Lakers were in the midst of their. Uh, uh, they were getting ready to play the Heat. Uh, we mm-hmm. can now tell you, report happily, that the Lakers are up 3-1 to one against the Heat. Uh, uh-huh. And the Dodgers are now up. They, they defeated, they swept the Brewers uh, two games. It was a three-game series. They won the first two. Uh, and now they've won the first of a five-game series against the San Diego Padres. San Diego Padres. So Dodgers-Lakers okay. looking good. It, it could be 1988 all over again, guys. Which would which would be fitting considering where we are in the digital movie club. So, uh, you know, yeah, um, yeah just, right. Justine and I are very happy to report that to you as being the resident uh, fans of those two teams. Uh, also, uh, John, are you familiar with a guy by the name of Nathan Apodaca? Nathan Apodaca. No. I believe that's it. Nathan Apodaca is a guy. Let me tell you a story, John. This guy's a, a resident of East Idaho, and last week. Uh, his car broke down, so he took the uh, uh, longboard out of his uh, uh, longboard skateboard out of his um, trunk and grabbed a bottle of uh, Ocean Spray cranberry juice and headed down the road. And while he was on the road, he decided to lip sync to Fleetwood Mac's Fleetwood Mac's Dreams uh, and then put it up on TikTok. TikTok. Did I say TikTok? TikTok. Other that the kids all love. And uh, this thing went viral. This thing exploded. Uh, and uh, now, did you guys see this video? No. Yeah, it was pretty popular. Hugely popular. Yeah, they had, what's his Nathan, What's his face uh, from Fleetwood Mac? Mick Fleetwood. Thank Na- you. Nathan Why Ap- is it popular? I don't know. It's just people like the vibe. It was just a very positive. It was very so positive. He, he was filming himself. He's filming himself Running? on the skateboard. Yep. And he's oh, he's drinking his he's drinking his cranberry juice, and you hear the song in the background, and he's just riding along, and then at the very end he starts lip syncing. Uh, he's jamming out. Yeah, and uh, you know it's it's cool that he look kind of looks like a cholo, a little bit of a ch- he's a little cholo adjacent. This guy, and uh, what ended up hap- what what ends up happening is all these people it goes viral, and so people reach out to him, and they, it turns out. Uh, he, his car had broken down, and that's why he grabbed the longboard and went. And he just thought, you know, I'm going to make something positive out of it. I'm going to do this little video, this little TikTok video. And I guess he had just started mm. his TikTok account like a month before. Um, but uh, it got the attention of everybody. Mick Fleetwood did like a, a tribute uh, to it. And then Ocean Spray showed up at his house with a new truck full of uh, Ocean <laughs> Spray products. So There you go. Yeah, Making cranberry juice, apparently, sure. apparently the guy lived. He lives like in an RV, uh, in his like in his brother's yard or something. And uh, people started wow. people started to GoFundMe for him. He they raised like ten thousand dollars to get him a new car. So since he got a new car, he said he's going to give the money to his mom. He's going to give like half the money to his mom. And uh, wow. so just a, like a nice, nice little feel good story for you there. Uh, just shout yeah. out. If you, if you get a chance to see the video, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. Cause you would not expect this guy to, to know, know or play Fleetwood Mac. So it's kind of funny. No, no, it's it kind of like, he does not look like he'd be listening to Fleetwood Mac. And that, I think therein lied the, the popularity of it. The, but, uh, check it out. Worth checking out. Uh, John, I heard it was also, um, I heard it was also turning a lot of, like uh, kids on to Fleetwood Mac, people that would never would have heard Fleetwood Mac. There you go. 
like we always say, John, as long as you're listening or watching things that uh, if you can get people to listen to something they don't normally listen to or watch something they don't normally watch, that's that's a win. Um, yeah. Uh, John, what Yo. what was the worst news we got this week? Oh, Eddie Van Halen. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I guess uh, he's well, he's been fighting cancer for years. I guess it finally got him. Sixty-five. So, someone on uh, so one of the obituaries I saw. One of the the headlines said uh, Eddie Van Halen, um, uh, uh, the uh, master of the shimmering guitar, um, and that is the perfect analogy for the way he played. There's a there's a certain sound that only he had. Uh, one of the all-time yeah. greats, and Van Halen sounds like, you know, they get lumped in with all the other hair bands, but they are Eddie Van Halen. Basically, because of Eddie Van Halen, they they rise far above them, and it's because of his uh, mastery of the guitar and of that sound. No other, nobody else nobody sound- sounds like him. You no. know, yeah, yeah. So, John, you they, they you- said it's a short list. They said it's a short list of like Hendrix and Eddie Van Halen. Short list of people that are so unique that nobody can even copy them. They can't even try to copy them. John, where, where were you, when did you first become aware of Van Halen? Let's talk about it. Uh, oh, in high school, everybody was everybody played that first album. Yeah, that thing just you know it, it went viral before you could go viral. You know, everybody was passing that album around. Um, Everybody was talking about it because it didn't sound like anything you'd heard before. I, I was just going to say, and, I was just listening to that album today. I went out to run errands and I put on Van Halen or Van Halen One, as it's known now. But um, yeah, that that doesn't that album doesn't sound like anything else out of that uh, th- that part of the seventies. Nothing, nothing, nothing at all. And then you know, afterward, you know, everybody's trying to catch up afterward, you know, and trying to. Th- figure out you know then you've got after them you've got bands trying to sound like Van Halen, but uh they were kind of one of a kind and the other thing about that first album is like every track is strong so mm-hmm. that was the other thing there's no there's no filler they were all pretty strong songs yeah um even do a cover of linda ronstadt's you're no good and it's good yeah yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you really, they do a great, I mean, I love the Kinks, and I think the Kinks do the best version, obviously, but I always thought that was a great cover. <laughs> that's of, pro- uh, you really got me. That's probably the best cover of, that's probably the best cover song uh, out there, and it's it's every bit as strong as the original. And, uh, and, and he, I'm sure it turned a hundred, I'm sure it turned thousands of kids onto the Kinks that never would have even thought of the Kinks. You know? Well, yeah, but, the, the, all, but they also put their own stamp on it. It sounds like Van Halen. Yeah. Uh, it's still, sure. they still manage to For sound sure. like Van Halen. Uh, and we, I put up a link to, uh, Don ZTV put up, um, or the, I think it's the Don's TV cause it's Don Gillers is last, is Gillers his last name. And, uh, but, um, yeah, uh, he's the guy who archived all the Letterman shows and he put up a, a collection of, of, uh, Eddie Van Halen sitting in with, uh, Paul Schaefer and the band. And uh, they had the recording of the show that you saw, John, when when Letterman was out yeah. here in L.A. back in the eighties. Uh, do you have any recollection yeah. of that of of him being there? And you got to hear some yeah. good. You got to hear some. He does a uh, pretty woman. He does. Uh, you uh, really got me. He does. Um, I think he does not cry. He does something else. I forgot what else. But he does some heavy hitters. 
Yeah, and what's great is if you're in the audience, you're hearing the whole thing. You know, when you're watching it on TV, he's doing the intro and the outro. You know, he's starting to play when they go into a commercial, and then he's still playing when they come out of the commercial. But being in the audience, we got to hear the whole damn song. So that was kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome. Had you seen him live before that? Uh, no, I never saw never saw Van Halen live, but it was it was really cool to see him there because that was a very small um, studio. Mm-hmm. Not too many people got in. We camped we camped out for days, and only like the first maybe the first thirty or forty people got in. Wow! Uh, they were lined up, hundreds of people lined up around the block for days, and when it came down to it, they could only get about maybe forty people in because they had so many VIPs that were already taking up seats. So um, I think it was like next door to the Carson stage. So, uh, yeah, it was like having a little, you know, mini concert. You know, we got to see him do three numbers. That's really cool. And yeah. That w- he's full, like, uh, he, what was that? Uh, 85, yeah. If you get a chance, check it out. I put the link up yesterday. And, uh, you know, you get to see Eddie Van Halen just chilling in his uh, Hawaiian shirt and being Eddie Van Halen. Uh, and then there's a couple of other clips on there. One from pretty late in the run with Sammy Hagar singing, and then the, there's another one where he's married to Valerie, Valerie Bertinelli, and he's sitting in, when they're back in New York, he's sitting in with the band, and he does, um, I think he does a version of Panama with no vocals. It was all... Um, yeah, that was very cool. Oh, John, I wanted to tell you, uh, you know, we've always talked about this, how how you, uh, the one stick, the one thing you didn't like about Letterman or the Letterman show is that they would never have the full band with the. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Well, well, right. I was listening to a podcast called, we'll, we'll shout out another par- podcast called uh, the Carson podcast. This guy has a, I can't think I should have written the guy's name down. And I didn't, I'm very sorry, but this guy's whole podcast revolves around Johnny Carson's tonight show. And so he interviews people that were involved in the show or people that were guests or people that were tertiary to the show. And one of the, uh, one of the guys he had was Letterman's old producer, Robert Morton, or Morty, as he used ah. to call him. And yeah. he, he said that uh, it, he doesn't think it came from Johnny Carson, but it was Johnny Carson's producer who was like an old school guy who was always kind of looking out for Johnny Carson. And Johnny Carson would kind of defer to him when they came up with the idea for the to do the, the late night, the late show or uh, late night with David Letterman. They had rules that they were supposed to follow so they kind of wouldn't step on Carson's toes. So a lot of them was like, they couldn't use like some of the guests that Johnny had, like, like people that Letterman probably wouldn't have had anyway, but it was like, you know, Steven Eady, you know, guys like, you know, like, you know, the old school, like Vegas kind of Hollywood guys. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing was they couldn't use the full, they couldn't use an orchestra. It had to be like a rock band. It had to be like guitars and stuff like that. Uh, they didn't want it, and yeah. they didn't want full bands on the show for whatever reason. I guess to compete with wow to make really? it like to make it more of like a showcase. You know, they wanted they wanted. I guess they wanted the Tonight Show to be like the showcase. You know, like yeah. we feature full bands. Or, you know, you can have like players and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so that was part of the reason that they really didn't do full bands till it was it wasn't until he went to CBS. That they started doing yeah. like like had full bands on the show, you know. So there yeah. you go. How about that? There's a little. Uh, there's a well, little... I always I always wondered. I, I yeah, I'm really glad I, I got the answer because I always wondered. I always assumed it was like a Paul Schaefer thing, like an ego thing, that you know we're gonna have our you know because what you, who usually loses out is the drummer. If you have a band on, the drummer's just shaking maracas or or you know 
hitting cowbell or something because yeah. that's who loses out. You don't get to have the drummer set up his kit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Answer for you. Wow. But uh, listen, kids, uh, John, so, yeah. if you had to give me five five tracks that would that would demonstrate Eddie Van Halen's genius off the top of your head, which five would you give me? Oh, Christ. I don't know if I'm your guy. I, 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 lo- I love Van Halen, but I don't know if I'm the expert that can tell you. But Eruption would be one of them. That instrumental off the first album would sure. have to be one of them. Well, that's what got George you know. to ask Lorraine out. <laughs> Is that right? I don't remember that. Remember that in, uh, in Back to the Future? He's got the Van Halen mix in the... Oh, in, that's right. In the that's water. right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. He just keeps shredding. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I mean, listen. I mean, there's everybody wants some. Uh, there's yeah. uh, eruption. Uh, I mean, you really got me is another good one. Uh, hot for teacher. The Come Panama. on, Panama. Hot yeah. for teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a million of them. Then yeah. you, if you want to go into the Sammy Hagar years, you know, uh, which some people like, and some people <laughs> I don't, don't want to go in the Sammy Hagar. I'll years. tell you what. So they, you know what they pointed this out on the Rock Solid podcast is that you know Eddie didn't have to worry about what David was doing with Sammy Hagar, even though I'm not a Sammy Hagar fan. So Eddie's playing is is sometimes better on those later albums because he seems to be more free. Um, yeah, but you still have to deal with Sammy Hagar. So you know that that's that's a matter of personal preference. For me, Van Halen will always be David Lee Roth. And yes, I mean he's not a great singer, but he's a great front man. And so, you know, yeah, that's I'm, the thing. I mean, yeah, he's annoying and he's not a great vocalist, but he's yeah, he's a personality. He's a force of nature. And that's what you need with that band. You know, that's it. Um, but it was probably you're probably right. It was probably easier to play when it was Sammy Hagar because you didn't have all the monkey shines and stuff. You know, well, he's the red rocker, so. John. I don't know if you know that. Uh, he's the red- <laughs> I just never liked his voice, you know, solo or Van Halen. I was never a big Sammy Hagar fan. And it wasn't until he joined Van Halen that I realized how how perfectly matched David Lee Roth was to that band. I was like, ah. <laughs> you didn't like uh, 5150? You didn't like that album? I, I didn't care for any of the albums after 1984. Come on, man. It was just too, it, come it's on. too pop. It's just way yeah. too pop, watered yeah, yeah. down. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I was not as into the band after after DLR left. Uh, although you can yeah. still hear uh, Eddie and uh, and you. I yeah, mean, you, for sure. It's, and you, Christ, think of all the things that he played on that weren't even Van Halen. Like you know, what was it? Was it uh, Beat It? Was it Beat It that he's playing on? Yeah, I mean that's a signature yeah. '80s sound right there. That that. Yeah. Hey, they told him, "Don't so you ever come around that, here?" Yeah. Yeah, there's things that pop up, and you go, "Oh Christ, that was him," you know. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right, rock in peace, Eddie. Uh, that definitely one of the uh, one of the the signature sounds of my teenage years was his uh, his guitar. So, uh, we say goodbye, sadly, to Eddie Van Halen. But guys, there's always good news around the corner. How are you guys? Everybody good? We we didn't even ask how you guys are doing. Is everybody well? Yeah, doing well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I hear that uh, you have a huge spider infestation over there, uh, Jake. Is everything okay? Spider infestation? I mean, we haven't really seen any spiders, but Sandy keeps getting bit by shit, so I don't know. What What do you think is biting her? Mosquitoes, because she's so sweet? Hey. 
Mm, well, apparently mosquitoes are more attracted to people with O blood, and she does have O blood. So maybe. Oh. See what I did there? The truth comes out. Maybe. We know, I don't know. We know her blood or maybe I'm maybe I'm biting her in her sleep, and I don't remember it. I don't yeah, know. you're like a vamp. You're like a vampire. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a little more sense. Mm-hmm. 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 I love it. But who knows? Uh, Patrick and Justine, you guys are good? Yeah, I've been working a lot. Nothing too exciting. Yeah, you guys are staying healthy over there. I've got a little bit of a <clears throat> this week, but I feel okay. I feel okay otherwise. I had a little bit of a this week, too. You feel like you were getting a cold? Uh, yep. Yeah, same thing over here, man. It knocked me out Monday. I think it was right around the corner, preparing to die. Well, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. Well, we're all going to get it. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll happen. Everybody's going to get the Rona eventually. Eventually. I just want to get it after we have the uh, the medicines that are available to the president. I want that. Yes. That's when I want to mm. get it. I want to go in there and take a Regeneron cocktail and then come out a zombie. Zombo. <laughs> oh, Eddie, it's your old pal, Zombo. Oh. <laughs> Who was Zombo? Louis Nye, the great Louis Nye as Zombo. One episode. <laughs> what, what do we know Louis Nye from, John? What do we know? Uh, for those of you who don't know, we're talking about the uh, monsters. Oh, boy. I don't know. He did all the sitcoms. He, he did. Um, he was on Beverly Hillbillies. He was on. Uh, he started out with Steve Allen, the old Steve Allen Tonight Show. Okay. He was one of the. Uh, you know, he had all those guys come out of the Steve Allen Show. Uh, Don Knotts, Pat Harrington. Louis Nye, Tom Poston, they all come out of the Steve Allen. So, um, I don't know. Louis Nye never had his own show, but he turns up as a guest on a million sitcoms, and the best has got to be him doing Zombo on uh, the Munsters. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, Zombo. All right. Guys, uh, speaking of Zombos, it's time to get into our digital movie club. Are you ready? Ready. Ready. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Here's our digital movie. Mu- mu- uh, di- uh, our digital movie club theme. You need, Are you, you ready? Change your pants after that. Here we go. Da 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 the delay kills me. I thought Patrick was gonna go. I thought Patrick was gonna go. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> Whoa yeah! Digital movies. No, no, I said that. Probably. Oh yeah! Da 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 da. <laughs> Digital movies. Da 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 da. Digital movies. You're in the club. We'll edit that. We'll fix that in editing, guys. Don't worry. That's going to be seamless. We'll take care of it. Uh, mm. Editing fixes everything. 
Every I take. think his clock is slow. Whoa. I don't, I don't feel tardy. Got it bad, got it bad, got it bad. I'm hot for hitish. Okay, guys, let's talk about. We have two movies this week, two blockbuster franchises, right? One is kicking off and one's kind of in the middle somewhere. Uh, but if you think about it, we're going to talk about it. We're, there's a lot of parallels here. Um, we did hmm. uh, The Batman, the original, 1989, Tim Burton Batman. And we did a James Bond movie, the second and last appearance of Timothy Dalton as James Bond in Licence to Kill. So, Patrick... You didn't decide last time. Which one would you like to do first? Uh, let's do Batman. All right. 1989's Batman. Take it away, Patrick. Give us the breakdown. This 1989 film released on June 23rd, ran two hours and six minutes, got a 7.5 on IMDb, 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. With a budget of $35 million, it grossed. $411 million worldwide. Half a billion dollars almost, wow. guys. Mm-hmm. This thing mm. was huge. It was released huge. three days after I graduated from high school in 1989. I remember that. This movie, this summer was huge. There were so many big movies that came out this year. A lot of people were likening it to 1939, which is the year that we had Wizard of Oz and the race is gone with the wind and Gunga Dean, which we did not watch, but we should have. Um, so people were saying this was going to be the biggest um, year that Hollywood had had in a long, long time. And a lot of that came true because of this single movie, Batman. Um, now, remember, there, were, there weren't a lot of superhero movies at this time. Just to give you some time, some context. Uh, Superman the movie had been released in 78 which was huge uh, a sequel did pretty well in I think 81 or 82 and then the, the, the budget got cut and it kind of petered out by the mid 80s um, and there weren't, there, weren't, there weren't any I mean superhero movies weren't really a thing uh, superheroes were basically on the small screen sometimes you know you had, the, the, you had Wonder Woman in the 70s you had the Hulk in the Late seventies, you had the greatest American hero in the eighties, uh, but you know superheroes were kind of a thing that uh, did people didn't see a lot of box office draw uh, in, especially after the Superman's got worse and worse. So, and uh, people were genuinely curious. And also, I will tell you this, John, and you can agree or disagree to give the kids some context. Batman was not nearly as worshipped as he is now. Um, I think this went a long way in kind of legitimizing Batman's kind of stature as one of the great superheroes in the, in the, uh, yeah. Cause if you thought about Batman on the big screen, uh, the last time you saw that was like 66 and it was Adam West. So you, you weren't, you know, you weren't expecting anything great, you know? Yeah, you saw Batman on the big screen. This, this, you didn't this, know what to expect. This turned on a whole generation uh, into Batman. And keep in mind, you know, they had already written like The Dark Knight Returns and things like that. So comic book fans knew Batman, but to the general yeah. public, it, he was not nearly 
you know, you, you talk to anybody now, a lot of people, that's their number one superhero. And I think a lot of that <clears throat> starts here. Uh, you know, it kind of kicks off the superhero genre as we know it. And it also kind of, uh, you know, legitimizes Batman and kind of takes him away from that Adam West kind of camp and puts him squarely. And this is a this movie is campy. Don't don't get me wrong, but it makes him more of a of a legitimate character than he had been before. So with and that it's darker, you know, it's it's a lot darker for sure. Oh yes, definitely. So with that in mind, uh, you had all seen this before, right? Or had anyone not seen it? Bless you. Yes. Uh, Justine, you had yes, seen this yes, one before? definitely seen this before. Yes. All right. Let's talk to the biggest Batman fan around. Uh, let's talk to John first, and then we'll go get to the kids. John, what did you think? 89, you were already a Batman guy. What what were your initial thoughts? And you liked Tim Burton. Like we, we knew Tim Burton from Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice. And so this is kind of a yeah. weird thing for him to be doing. Uh, you know, this yeah. is, it's kind of like, Hey, Oh, we're, he's going to do this Batman movie. Okay. We know him from comedies, but maybe it it'll work. Made, it kind of made sense because Beetlejuice had some darker moments. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Um, and Jack Nicholson, you know, uh, for a lot of people, honestly, Jack Nicholson was the big draw. It wasn't necessarily Batman. It was watch, seeing Jack Nicholson in this role was a big draw for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because after seeing him in things like The Shining, it was like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course he's going to be the Joker. You know, it's like, who else would you get? He's already got the face. He's already got the grin. And he's already got the uh, maniacal disposition. So it's like, of course. He was born to play the Joker. You know? Yeah. That's right. But at the time, I, I guess um, Dark Knight Returns, the, the graphic novel would come out like in 86, and I guess uh, Killing Joke was 88. Mm-hmm. So for comic book fans, they were, they were already trying to go in a darker direction, trying to take him back to the way it was, you know, in years ago when it was a very sort of a dark brooding character. But, yeah, we got pretty excited because we thought Tim Burton was a good choice. Nobody was thinking Michael Keaton was a good choice because they just thought – he does mostly comedies, mm-hmm. but I guess the movie they saw him in that gave him an idea that maybe he could do it was, uh, I think it was called clean and sober, which was a drama Yeah, and he was really kind of edgy, edgy and intense. And they said, you know, this guy's got another, he's got another side to him that might work for Batman. Mm-hmm. That's right. But there was a big outcry. You know, I think they got thousands of letters from people that said, you know, what are you doing? Uh, putting this comedy guy in as uh, as Batman, <laughs> and they just were just like aghast, and um, they just stuck to their guns. I guess Warner Brothers and Tim Burton, they just stuck to their guns. They said, "No, it's going to work. This guy's going to work out." And uh, as it turns out, it did. You know, he does a really good job. I think. You know, he is honestly the most accessible Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah, he, he makes Bruce Wayne very likable. Uh, yeah, he makes and there's so much about this that I forgot. I forgot that he sleeps with Vicky Vale. I forgot about that. And uh, and so this, this, you know, you know, Bruce Wayne's getting some play, which, you know, the other Bruce Wayne, they kind of fake it. Like Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne kind of fakes being the playboy, but really hates it. This Bruce Wayne right. seems like he might in, be enjoying it a little bit uh, or at least enjoys right. messing with people. And also this Batman kills people. Uh, yeah, yeah. This Batman has no problem yeah. like machine gunning and blowing up. I was like, "Oh yeah, the the Batmobile has guns on it, and so does the so does the jet." 
I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think he kills him face to face, like hand to hand. He still does the thing where he's like, "I'll leave you hanging" or whatever. But I forgot that he yeah. totally like wastes a bunch of the henchmen. So I don't know. Yeah, and with Jack, with with Jack Napier, uh, Napier too, he just he drops him in. You know, he just kind of looks him in the eye and just says, "Well, you're going in." <laughs> he just drops him in the vat. <laughs> Do you think so, or did he fall? Do you think he fell? No, you know, you watch that scene, and he pretty much lets go of him. He's holding onto his hand, and he just lets go of his hand. So, I don't know. It's, uh, I guess, I guess it's up to, I guess everybody sees something different. I yeah. guess some people think he slips, and some people think he couldn't hang on. But you know, to me, watching it just, you know, the other day, I'm going, no, it looks like he looks him in the eye and just lets go of him. You know. Uh, so, John, what, what was you? What were your initial reactions, and then what was it like watching it again after all these years? Well, when it came out, I really liked it. I, I really, I went the first night, and uh, there was a huge line of people waiting to see this thing, and we we we'd just been counting the days because they kept teasing footage. They kept putting out you know trailers and stuff, and in those days, you know, you know, uh, pre, uh, you know, uh, pre. Uh, computers and the smartphones uh if they were teasing that stuff it was like they'd run it on like entertainment tonight they'd say hey we got the new, the latest trailer for batman you know and here's what it looks like and boy people were just eating that up they just couldn't wait to see you know what the footage was and i guess the thing that excited us is it looked like a real batman movie it didn't look like a comedy it didn't look like it was played for laughs or camp value or silliness it looked like what we were going to get was a real a real batman movie and uh I pretty much felt that that's what we got. I really liked it when it was all over. I really liked it. I liked, uh, I really liked the set design. I really loved the way Gotham city looked. And I loved the way the bat cave looked with real bats. You know, that was cool. He's got real bats hanging from the rafters and, um, thought Jack Nicholson did a good job as the Joker. Although a bunch of us said he was getting a little, a little paunchy to play the Joker, a little, <laughs> you know, a little, a little fat to play the Joker. Yeah. A little but chubby. Yeah. The perfect, but he had the perfect face. Perfect face for the Joker, perfect disposition, knew just how to play it. And uh, I thought Tim Burton was a good choice for director because he, he knew how to make things sort of uh, dark and gothic and uh, creepy. And uh, I enjoyed it then. And uh, watching it just a couple days ago, I thought it, I was kind of surprised how well it did hold up. I thought maybe it would look dated or kind of like uh, look kind of 80s. Um, you know, some, some things are a little dated, but I'd say on the whole, it holds up pretty well. It's just interesting how it's gone much darker. When this thing came out, people said, gee, it's a little dark. Uh, but think about how much darker all superhero movies have gotten mm -hmm. in the last 30, in the last 30 years, not, you know, and especially the Batman movies got much darker once you got to the Christopher Nolan stuff. It just, uh, you know, so it all starts pretty much here. And Tim Burton even says, yeah, I, I guess I get the credit or the blame. He says, ever since the first Batman movie, most superhero movies go in a darker direction. And it's not a novelty anymore. Uh, that's the way people kind of go. And he says, I guess for better or worse, I'm <laughs> I'm the one that gets the credit or the blame. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, there's just there's enough of that Tim Burton lightness in here to keep it uh, keep it from getting too dark. And uh, even Jack Nicholson's Joker character, while he is pretty despicable, has some moments also that, uh, you know, he's the most quotable and he's infinitely watchable as the as Absolutely. the Joker. Yeah. yeah. He really brings a lot of that Jack Nicholson to the role. The only 
the only drawback is you know you know it's Jack Nicholson. So it's like Jack Nicholson is one of those guys like when you're watching it, you're like, I'm watching Jack Nicholson. You're not necessarily yeah. you don't necessarily believe that he's the Joker. You're like, oh, I'm watching uh, Jack Nicholson act like the Joker. You know, so right. which is where the difference between he and Heath Ledger, or Heath Ledger really embodied that character. Jack, mm-hmm. it's not. It, it's not Jack Nicholson's he's fault. Not bringing a lot of baggage. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not Jack Nicholson's fault. You just always, you just know it's Jack Nicholson. It's, it's not his fault. You know, absolutely. Uh, but uh, well, that's that's the problem. Whenever they do these movies, they always kind of ask themselves, especially with the heroes, are we better off with an unknown? You know, like when they did Wolverine, nobody knew who Hugh Jackman was, and they said we're almost better off going with an unknown because if it's somebody you. Like with Batman, uh, they were they thought of like Mel Gibson. They had all these people they were thinking of, and they said it's going to be too distracting. You have to get somebody who's not quite, you know, you get somebody who's like known for action roles. That's all you're going to be thinking about the whole time he's in the suit. You mm-hmm. know, so they always have to weigh that. And you're right when you're looking at the Joker, you are looking at Jack Nicholson with the Joker makeup on. And um, at the time, we were thinking like maybe Willem Dafoe. We already knew who Willem Dafoe was back. Oh yeah, in '89. We said. We thought, boy, he's got the face for it. He's got the face and he's got the smile and he's got the, you know, we, we were thinking of like, or like Christopher Walken. We were thinking there's people that could have done the Joker that would have been maybe less obvious. But um, I don't think they wanted to take any chances, you know. Yeah. They said, you know, this is this is the role that Jack Nicholson was born to play. So let's not take <laughs> any chances. And yeah, go well, they were taking. really go with the best. Yeah, I think they took the big risk. They they. By casting Michael Keaton, who who uh, paid, I think I feel yeah. paid off for him, for them. But uh, yeah. yeah, they they probably didn't want to risk both. But no, it's it's that's the only knock, and it's not anyone's fault. It's just that's just what Jack Nicholson brings to the table, is that you know it's Jack Nicholson, and you you you, you yeah. never detach yourself. But I don't think it hurts the performance. I don't think it hurts the movie to have him. No, uh, at no. all. Uh, you know, and it's not like it's not like till Heath Ledger comes that you you really kind of. You know, for for years, you thought of Jack, when you thought of the Joker, that's what you thought of. You know, or if yeah. you were younger, you thought of Mark Hamill in the in the animated series. You know, but yeah. uh, or if our, you're my age, you thought of Caesar. It's Caesar Romero. Sure. Know, so. Well, see, you know, it's funny. <laughs> see, Jack Nicholson replaced Caesar Romero in my mind as the Joker. Yeah. Like that's kind of what he replaced yeah. was that image. And for a lot of people a little younger than me, Heath Ledger probably did that to Jack Nicholson. He probably replaced that image of the Joker in there. Um, yeah. The unfortunate thing about Bruce Wayne, though, is you can literally have anybody in that character, and it, it works because the suit is doing ninety percent of the work. You know, it's how do they how do they look <laughs> right. in how do they look in the suit? That's that's all that matters. You know, this is you know. Yeah, uh, but you're right. He does bring a humanity to it and a little humor. I love when they're having dinner in that great big uh, dining hall, and he goes, "You know, I don't think I've ever been in this room before." <laughs> Yeah, he's perfect. He, he Keaton's really good because he's a charming. Michael Keaton's charming, and he can act. He's not just, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought I think he does a great job, and and I I I like him as Batman. I really do. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Jake. Jake, you had seen this as a young cat because your mom loved uh, '80s movies. Uh, how many were you a big fan of this movie growing up? I actually I don't remember a lot of it. I remember more the Tim Burton Batman growing up. That is the Tim Burton Batman. Yeah. Or no, the one with um the one with uh Mr. Freeze and the Oh Penguin. the Joel Schumacher. Oh, Joel Schumacher. That, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. What'd you what'd you think going back? Um 
this one is solid. I think Michael Keaton did a solid job as Batman, making him, yeah, a lot more approachable than any other Batman that we've seen yeah. present day and before. Just because, yeah, he makes him so likable when normally he's just a very dark, broody person. So he adds kind of like this levity to him, which is really nice to see. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, and I thought Jack Nicholson was solid. Um, and actually, um, speaking of Mark Hamill being the uh, the one who uh, secedes uh, Jack Nicholson his best role, he was actually terrified of taking the role of bat of uh, the joker in the animated series because he didn't want to he didn't want to fall flat when you know jack nicholson did such a great job yeah i mean he was the best the best joker from this point i've heard that uh but i think mark hamill did a a thing where he makes the character his own as well um you know Mm -hmm. it seems like everybody puts a little bit of a spin on it including Jack Nicholson, uh, and uh, but I think Mark Hamill was able to pull that off, and you don't, I don't think he, I think he kind of compliments the, you know, they kind of compliment one another, another if you think about it, if you, if you really watch them, they kind of compliment the, the performances, kind of compliment each other. Yeah, Jack Nicholson's Joker is definitely a lot more morbid mm-hmm. than but the other Jokers, even Mark Hamill's, who's his is a little more sinister, yes, and psychotic. Where this, where Jack Nicholson's Joker is just is more of a sociopath, or feels more so a sociopath and kind of a lot more morbid than all the other ones. I would agree. I would agree there too. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, solid. So it held up for you. I think so. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. A, it's not not the best. I mean. Not the best Batman movie, seeing what we've seen, but as but up until this point, this is probably the best Batman movie. Was there anything glaring so far? Was there anything glaringly eighties about it to you? That just scream like, "Hey, Every- this this is an eighties movie." Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of hard. Eighties movies, apart from a select few, they're 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 eighties movies. Yeah. Prince. You know, as hard as you try, Prince. even if it's even if it's a uh, even if it's a period, unless it's a period piece, then it just screams eighties because they're using side of the hair or it's just how it's shot. Like there's always something that helps lead you to seeing it's an eighties movie. Yeah, just go. Oh yeah, Jake. Wh- Jake what did you think of the uh, score, the uh, Danny Elfman score? I I always love Danny Elfman. Anything he does. Yeah. He always, he always just knocks it out of the park. Even what was it? There's a movie that came out maybe like five, six years ago. Uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did not, did not like the movie all that much. But you know what? The score was fantastic. Yeah. And I started watching. I was watching the movie. And I'm looking I'm like, man, this is a really good score. And then it was in the intro. It's like, oh, music by Danny Elfman. I'm like, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Every single great score. Yeah, there there are people who would put this at the top of his list of scores, um, and uh, I would have to agree. This is one of his best, and it influenced so many other scores. It's, been, it's majestic. It feels it feels um, it feels a lot like more present day. Well, no, that was kind of Hans Zimmer that started that whole trend, but 
maybe like the late nineties or early two thousands. Well, it you definitely has that kind of feel to it. Well, this kind of this also makes Danny Elfman kind of the go to for this type of movie for a long time because he ends up doing Spider Man. Mm-hmm. He ends up doing the Spider Man Sam Raimi. The Sam Raimi Spider Man's like ten years later. Uh, and so it, it, and uh, did he do Dick Tracy? Did he also do? I Dick think he Tracy? did. I think he did. Yeah. This kind of this kind of made him the yeah. this kind of made him the superhero slash comic book John Williams for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go to Patrick. Patrick, how uh, how well versed were you with this Batman before you took I've it up again? Seen it a bunch of times. I got. Uh, I've seen it several several times. Mm-hmm. Um, I only have one major gripe about this movie. Uh, so it's very 80s, which I don't mind. It holds up, though. Like, it works. And then uh, all the characters are really solid. Uh, mm-hmm. They work really well. My only complaint is I really, really wanted to see Billy D. Williams' Two-Face. I always <laughs> think he would have been <laughs> such a good Two-Face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This movie's fun. Like, I, I don't really have any major complaints about it. It's not by far the best batman but you know it works and jack nicholson is great michael keaton works really well minus the mullet um yeah i enjoy it like i, I don't really have any complaints about let me movie. ask you guys a question which came first the S- steve jobs rocking the levi's and the turtleneck or bruce wayne uh rocking the turtleneck and i think levi's? this is where he got it for in his inspiration <laughs> right because he's wearing the round glass i'm like holy crap i think steve jobs thinks he thought he was batman that's really what i thought batman when i was a millionaire philanthropist i need to wear what, what, what batman's wearing exactly <laughs> exactly he said i'm rich yep. i'm rich batman. he's rich i'm eccentric uh, he's eccentric. It's made to be. I have to do this. Doing it, and then just boom. That's it. That's all he wears for the rest of his life. Um, yeah. No, you're right, Patrick. And you know what's funny? This kind of I was thinking about this. This Batman isn't the strongest, but it's good, and it's a solid entry into you know into like you know Batman, the cinematic Batman. Much like Doctor No isn't the greatest James Bond, but. It's a good intro to that series, you know, because we talked a little bit about how basically Batman is the American James Bond because you keep having different guys playing the role. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's this continuing, you know, there's a lot of the same villains and stuff keep turning up. And um, he's got gadgets. He's, he's got, got all the gadgets. He's got too. all the gadgets. It's the whole thing. And you have different actors playing it. And, you know, I said, I think I said that the Batman is just it's uh, it's it's James Bond with one more Lazenby. Um, because you have you have Clooney and Val Kilmer take him around for one spin, but uh, but yeah, this kind of reminded me of Doctor No in that way. When you, you go back and you watch it now, you're like, oh, this is how it all got started, and yeah. it's not necessarily the like the Batman movies of today, but you're like, oh, okay, I see how this got started, you know. So that that kind of reminded me of that too. Uh, what what you said you were saying that yeah, this I'll tell you the most eighties thing in here is Kim Bassinger. That is the most 80s thing about this. Yeah. And that, and the Prince <laughs> and the Prince soundtrack, the, 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 uh, yeah. which makes for a great joke in uh Shaun of the dead. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get to that when we, when we get to that movie. But, um, so growing up, Patrick, was this your Joker? Was Jack Nicholson your, is that what you consider him? The um, joke? Or was it the animated I mean- guy? I think it was more Mark Hamill. Uh, I grew up a lot with like um, 
the Batman animated series and mm-hmm. the Batman animated movies. Uh, in particular, I remember watching the Spectre a lot. Um, that one in particular, and he's Mark Hamill's just such a good Joker. So he's always kind of like the one I lean towards. Okay, uh, that's fair. He does a great as far job, voice wise and persona wise. Like he fits the character, I think, the best. Um, close to the comic books because he's truly like the crown, clown prince of crime. Uh, but Heath Ledger, uh, he hits on a, a, a mental and emotional level that is really good as well. Yeah. Jack Nicholson was okay. It just like, I, he was probably a little bit more creepy before he fell in the vat of acid mm-hmm. and not as much after. Hmm. A little bit more menacing. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just you know. I think it, there's something. He's good, but he's not great to me. Okay, um, that's a fair assessment. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he does well. It's just, it's not like I go, oh, shit, like damn. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, you, you don't get the Heath Ledger reaction. Yeah, you don't, and you don't get that kind of creepiness from, you know, Mark Hamill's voice. John, you know what's funny is you you brought that up. You said that you know they people wrote letters about Michael Keaton. It seems like Batman's always no matter what choice they make, there's always people writing letters because right. I remember 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 people hated the idea of Heath Ledger being the Joker. They're like the That's dude. Right. They're like That's the right. dude from Ten Things I Hate About Why? You and Night's Tale. Why? <laughs> you know that was that was the initial. People forget that. People forget that. But that was the reaction. I love it. You know that's yeah, the that's, that's the beauty there. of. Uh, the beauty of uh, having uh, low expectations, you know, <laughs> and then you, you, he came in and just hit it out of the park, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Justine, Batman eighty nine. Let's talk about it. Talk about it. I feel like you're gonna uh, love this movie. Michael Keaton is my Batman, and this was my intro to Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton. Nice. So, whenever I see Jack Nicholson, I only see the Joker. So he's also my Joker. That's awesome. I still think he's an amazing Joker. He's the creepiest to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think Heath Ledger was creepy to me. He played a good crazy. He's more um, psychotic. But I also thought, yeah, I also thought, you know, like because he has a smile in this that's just creepy. Mm-hmm. At least when I saw it when I was little, I thought it was creepy. I remember when the ham pops out of the box and then she faints, and I was like, "Why? Why does she faint?" I still don't get it up to now. <laughs> well, because again, I was like, "Because she just saw a dead guy get up and walk off, right?" She thought that <laughs> she thought that Bruce Wayne was dead, and then he so she's all already on edge, and then that that was just the that was the coup de gras. It's <laughs> pretty creepy. Not not really. Um, that and. Yeah, I mean, I love Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if there's any movies I don't like of him. Um, I just think he's a great actor. I like him as Batman. I don't know if I like any other Batman guy than him. Oh, no other Bruce Wayne? Christian? No, not really. Nope, nope, nope. But um, I'm also not a huge fan of Batman, so... <laughs> He just doesn't. I don't. I don't get it. Why you'd be interested in him? So that's fine. <laughs> no, I. I do. I totally. That is a. That is a valid. That is a very valid statement. 
That is a very it's valid. a rich guy with toys. I just I don't get it. It just doesn't. You don't want to be a rich man with expensive toys? No, I don't want to be a rich man. No. <laughs> Sorry, Jake. If I were a rich man, da 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 da. da. If I were a rich man, da 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 da. da. <laughs> um, did you see this movie a lot growing up? Was this something that your parents would? Uh, Throw on the TV a lot, or it was just oh, it was always on TV mm-hmm. all the time. So yeah, all the time. It's a cable staple uh, for sure. I was older when I saw the other ones with Arnold and Alicia Silverstone mm-hmm. and George Clooney. I thought that was fun because the colors are so neon in that. Mm-hmm. But um, this one too, because. I had to fast forward to get to my spot where I was because I was watching it to different TVs. And you can see where it, the, the image is dark when it's, um, what's his name? When it's the Joker. And mm-hmm. it just lightens up whenever it's Batman on the screen when I was fast forwarding through it. Oh, so nice. Very, like, you can tell what's happening just by seeing the colors and fast forwarding. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. But... Yeah, I mean, I like this movie. Yeah. I have no issue with it. I was shocked at how well it, it held up because when, when this first came out, I think I owned this on VHS and then I owned it on DVD. And then, uh, I I mean, I must have seen this movie like when it first came out. I must have watched it dozens of times. I loved it. Um, I, I thought it was funny. A lot of great dialogue. A lot of uh, um, lo- lo- very quotable. Uh, a lot of good lines in there. Um and uh, yeah, I so I had, but I, it was one of those movies that I watched so much, I kind of burned myself out on it. And then, and then I was like, you know what? Let's, you know, watching it again, I was like, wow, this really held up better than, like John said, I, it held up better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be this '80s, but I had so much fun watching. Uh, and what a great Alfred, by the way. Let's say how to let's uh, say yeah. Yeah. Michael Goff. What what a perfect Alfred too. And uh, you know a lot of great characters. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember his his name, but the guy who plays Commissioner Gordon, um, Pat Hingle. Pat Hingle. He's in a million things. He's great yeah. too. Yeah. You know, a little older, a little fatter, yeah. but you know, like uh, great. And this this you know had such a profound influence on the way they did the cartoon. I love that they do this thing where everybody's dressed kind of forties, but the cars are all kind of junky and but modern. You know, they're very nondescript modern cars. She drives like a Chevelle. I think Batman, Michael Keaton was driving a Pontiac Sunbird. (laughs) He's all all modern, but very nondescript. The police cars were all like Ford Fairmonts, you know. Um, But I liked the the mixing. It was kind of anachronistic in that way. And that kind of, that bled over into the TV show, into the animated series, where you kind of had, remember, they'd be patrolling in like blimps and stuff. So it was really weird, like yeah. the time period. You couldn't. They had like computers, but also they were blimp patrols and stuff like that. So I kind of my it only thirties. Yeah, my only complaint, John, is you. You said you liked the way Gotham looked. I just didn't get the sense that Gotham was an actual city. Um, I just yeah. felt like it was a big soundstage, you know. So I, yeah, which is what it was. Which is what it was. <laughs> but I, you know, it's just that you. If there's one thing that CGI can do well, it's kind of set a. Um, and when we get to Indiana Jones, we're going to talk about this. Um, you know, those establishing shots of like a city sometimes. Sometimes it's just stock footage, but 
and you don't think about it, but when you don't have those in there, it kind of goes along. It kind of goes a long way. You notice how it goes a long way in setting the atmosphere sometimes, or setting the setting for you. Yeah. Um, and I noticed it in. You know what it looked like? Uh, it looked to me. It, it looked like Metropolis. I, I dug it because it looked like Metropolis. You know, it was. This, I'm sure that that Tim Burton and the guy uh, Anton first. I'm sure they were fans. Of that movie because oh, that's what Gotham ends oh, up looking like. You know? I, I thought you were talking about Metropolis from the from Sue. You're talking about the Fritz Lang Metropolis. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, the Fritz, yeah, the Fritz Lang Metropolis. Even the, like the big statues and all the all the switches and all the sort of like uh, cathedrals and stuff. It all looks uh, like uh, uh, future past. You know what Metropolis was supposed to be. You know what things were going to look like in the next century, and uh, that's what Gotham looks like. It's a mix of like old and new, but it looks like a hellscape. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very, very good. That's a great observation. It does look like all the statues and the faces. And yeah, Um, I love that the special effects in in certain parts were kind of cheesy, like the helicopter and stuff. I think that Tim Burton did that on. I think he does that on purpose sometimes. I think he. Oh, that helicopter was for sure a throwback to um, Adam West. Yeah. I think sometimes he did things like that on purpose, you know. Uh, the special effects were good when they needed to be, and then at other times they were, you know, kind of spotty. But I think Tim Burton does that on purpose sometimes to kind of uh, just kind of like tweak the audience's nose sometimes. Uh, so let's rank Ooh. this. Let's. Oh, what were you going to say, Justine? I'm sorry. Ranking. Okay. Are you sure? <laughs> I was just going to say the only part where I thought it was 80s was. Um, her white dress was really 80s to me. <laughs> real poofy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, real poofy. Oh, yeah, that's right. That and the presence of Robert Wool. The presence of Robert Wool. <laughs> oh, and I didn't know that Prince did the music. Yes, and he was very, mm-hmm. it was probably uh, considered I the worst the, thing he um, ever did. I saw the intro and I was like, Prince? I didn't know that. Yeah, so. Bad Dance. Yeah, he, this is key. Kind I of, think there were dual. Uh, there were dual soundtrack albums. You had the the Danny Elfman score, and then you had all the Prince songs. There's two two different uh, soundtrack albums. And I think kind of Prince kind of disowned things later on. I think he kind of like was like, mm. yeah. <laughs> uh, wh- uh, what was I going to say? You, you brought you brought up her white. Let's rank this. No, but you brought up her white. Uh, oh, it brought. Her oh, white oh her, dress. I can't remember. It brought it brought me to something else. But uh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Let, yeah, let's rank okay. it. Justine, go ahead. Give it. Give it your. Give us your score. I give it an eight. Ocho, very good, strong score. I love it. Uh, Patrick, uh, seven and a half. Seven point five. Jake, Ooh, I'll give it. I'll give it an eight. Oh, eight. Very nice. And John Sandy. Yeah, I give it an eight. It it really holds up surprisingly well for for a thirty year old movie. It holds up very well. So yeah, an eight for sure. I'm gonna go with Patrick. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Seven point five. Seven point five. I would have given it an eight if we'd seen Billy D. Williams as Two Face. <laughs> <laughs> He's listed as Two Face in the movie too. Uh, That's what it says, but nope. Uh, really? Like on the um, on the uh, when you the Google cast? it, yeah. Oh, no, that's no, just. You know, uh, Tim Burton had plans to make him two face like in the maybe like if he had stuck with it, you know when when Tim Burton bowed out, they went with uh, with Tommy Lee Jones. But his plan yeah. was he he definitely wanted to make him two face like in the next movie or like the third movie. 
I wonder why. Imagine what a drag that must have been for. Imagine for for Billy D. Williams what a drag that must have been. He knew that was coming up. He said he was really disappointed. He said, "I knew I was going to be two faced, and then it didn't happen." You know. And I don't know why Tommy Lee Jones was so miscast. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Well, but they didn't give him anything to do. That the really sad thing about that is that. Um, People forget he was even in the movie because it becomes the uh, Jim Carrey show. It's all Riddler. Ugh. The whole damn movie is the Riddler. You barely get any Two-Face in that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, they did him right by Aaron Eckhart, so it came back around, thankfully, for the character. Yeah, but, looked, yeah he was great. But, it looked great, yeah. But, but sadly for Billy D. Williams, uh, you're right. I would have loved to see a Billy D. Williams take on that. It would have been fantastic. Um, all right, let's move on to License to Kill. The I don't know what number it is in the James Bond franchise, but uh, forty million. No, <laughs> you want to? <laughs> no. All right, I'll name them all, and you. Ca- I'll name them all, and you count them. Are right, you ready? <laughs> number one, oh, Doctor No. Number two, from Russia with Love. Number three, Goldfinger. Number four, Thunderball. Number five. You only live live twice. Number six, uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number seven, Diamonds Are Forever. Number eight, Live and Let Die. Number nine, Man with the Golden Gun. Number ten, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number eleven, Moonraker. Number twelve, For Your Eyes Only. Number thirteen, Octopussy. Number fourteen, A View to a Kill. Number fifteen, The Living Daylights. And number sixteen. License to kill. Is that right? Did I did I get that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Justine's going, was that really necessary? <laughs> I heard her roll her eyes. So I had to What does that sound like? <laughs> Punishers must just whatever reaction Justine has is generally an eye roll. <laughs> it's the audio version of an eye roll. Uh did you did you check that out? Did you uh check that fact check that, Patrick? No, no, I was just letting you go. Uh, would you do me a favor and fact check that? I feel like I may have missed one. Uh, yeah, hold on. Is that the 16th? 16th? Talk amongst yourself. You got Octopussy, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've all... Uh, oh, oh, yeah. All right, number one, Dr. No. Number two, You don't have to, read, you don't have to read them. Number three, Why Goldfinger. Are we doing this again? Number four, no, Thunderball. Patrick, no, you're just saying what number we're on. <laughs> number five. I don't care. You only live twice. Number six, Thunderball. Number six? No, where does no, that no, go? Number six is on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Number seven. Number seven. Live and let die. Diamonds are forever. No, oh, oops. Diamonds are forever. Oh, thank God I did it the first time. Number eight, live and let die. Uh, number nine, the man with the golden gun. Number ten, the spies love me. Number eleven, Moonraker. Twelve was for your eyes only. Thirteen was Octopussy. Fourteen to of Wikipedia. you to a kill. Fifteen, the living daylights, and number sixteen, license to kill. So it was number sixteen. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Okay. I'm glad I did that in one I don't know. shot. Let's count them. Let's let's count them. Let's count them one more time. Patrick, just to double sure. check. Double yeah, check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? What's number one? Okay, number one. <laughs> Doctor No. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the. Y'all can tell me twice. My middle finger is up now. You guys are off. Whoa! Ho! 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 Justine. What's the sound of one middle finger clapping. Justine. What is number? I don't want to concern you, but listen. 
we're at License to Kill. License to Kill is number sixteen. The movie that's coming out next year is the twenty fifth James Bond movie. But you're done now. No, we're not. We're only done until we're skipping. We're done with the nineties. We won't see the Bond in the nineties because I don't believe in Pierce Brosnan. But he will be back. James Bond, as they say at the end of the movies, James Bond will return. So not until Casino Royale, right? And I know you love this movie, so you yeah. just enjoy it right now. All right, you're gonna love. <laughs> just enjoy Tim Tim Timothy Dalton while you have him. And so the good news for Justine is we're gonna go like an entire decade without a James Bond movie. A decade and a half, almost. We go almost In this decade. Mm-hmm. We go almost oh, two yeah. decades. That's good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there he won't go. he won't be back for a long time, Justine. Uh, next one's Goldeneye. Yep, not watching that garbage. No, tomorrow never dies. World's garbage. Casino Royale. Die another day. All garbage. <laughs> so there you go. See, Justine, I'm on your side. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think she'd like the Pierce Brosnan ones. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Give us the breakdown, Patrick. License to Kill, 1989. Here we go. Uh, this 1989 film released on July 14th. Got a 6.6 on IMDb, 70 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, with a budget of $32 million, grossed $156.1 million. Love it. Who's gonna go for it? Let's let's start with Justine. Oh. Good idea. <laughs> Good idea. Great idea. Okay, so number one, Doctor No. Number two <laughs> <laughs> Are these are these your rankings? No. <laughs> <laughs> what is your number one, James just in Bond? Case, just in case we're just gonna get out of the way, make sure everyone knows the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um uh, this movie does not feel like a James Bond movie. It's not very British. Mm-hmm. It's also more action packed. He gets bloody. He fights. Mm-hmm. He's not as clean. Um, if that makes sense, he's not stylish at all. Nope. And he is um, just doesn't seem like a James Bond except for his name mm-hmm. and the occasional appearance of that guy that has all of the Q. You know, I think Q. Yeah. yeah. Q shows up and you're like, oh, right. This is a James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, therefore, I enjoyed this action movie. I thought it was good. Yeah. Hey, oh. Uh, I'll tell you one it's thing, not, though. It just doesn't seem like a James Bond movie. Do, do you think, I want to know, because you're the one person that would notice this, Justine. Did you notice that the hairstylist on this movie was just like, fuck it, we are slicking everyone's hair straight back? <laughs> And that is the hairstyle. Like, his hair is so far back. James Bond, like, Timothy Dalton's hair is so far back. Carrie Lowell has hair straight back. Uh, everybody's hair is uh, straight. Just That's it. We're just going to poof everybody's hair up because it's the 80s. I guess I'm the only one. I guess I'm the only one that noticed that. All right, Justine, thanks. Oh, no, no. Like, when he's in his suit, like, his hair looks really bad. Yeah, because they just they didn't cut his hair. It's very slick back. He kind of looked. He kind of reminded me of Michael Scott in the first season of the uh, of the Office. A little bit when they have his hair <laughs> yeah. slick too far back. Uh, no, he, he reminds you of Michael Scarn. Michael Scarn. 
<laughs> so just seeing you did like it. You 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 uh, tell me what you liked about it. What what were some of the things that you enjoyed? Um, I like that. I mean, I had to keep remembering that this was a uh, James Bond film because. Mm-hmm. I think I read that it was shot in Florida and Mexico Mm -hmm. um, because it was cheaper to go there than to go to China like they planned. Mm -hmm. And that at that time, four months after this film, I think something happened with Russia and they stopped using Russia as their villains. And this was the first film in a Bond movie where Russia wasn't the villain. Mm. And or- they changed it to a drug because it was the most popular thing happening. Yeah. This is like the start of the war on drugs. Drug. Yeah. Yeah. And they said a lot of movies were doing that thing now. So they also moved on to that. I feel like... This movie kind of felt like they were trying to grab an American audience. Um, I also think that... Uh, what else? I don't know how they told to... That. I I don't know. That was really crazy to me. The, how they what? They had, he was in that one truck. Oh. Um, oh when he, and it tilted over to its side. That was an actual stunt. They They actually did that. Yeah. Yeah, I watched it. I was like, that's not a little miniature. <laughs> just watching the whole thing, I was like, this is inc- this is just crazy. They had some really good stunt work in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I think this film got the least amount of money, most hate um, from my that it's the least um, John- James Bond type oh, least, of movie. Least profitable. And I still think that's probably why I really like it. <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. It doesn't feel like, you know, it's a kind of a James Bond revenge movie. It it takes it to, you know, for a James Bond movie it gets very dark, you know, you get Felix get eaten by sharks and uh and you know they kill the wife, you know. And uh Yeah, they said that he's like um yeah, that's the whole thing. Like this is a revenge movie and normally he sticks to their rules until he wants to sleep with a girl and doesn't listen to them. <laughs> but <laughs> In this one, he just drops it all just for revenge. And that part I don't really, like, I get you're close to them, but you're not supposed to really have feelings, you know? Like, other people have died, and you didn't really care that much. And the fact that they brought up his wedding, it made me a little sad. Well, oh, shoot, we're touching up on that a little bit. And then... This is the um, one, this is the one thing I think, Justine, that we're not having a consistent character play Felix. Because they always just kind of, whoever they can get, you know, Felix changes identities every movie, right? It's just whoever they can get. Yeah. And I think if you would have had one actor play him consistently, or, you know, maybe like a couple of actors, you know, because it's such a long series, obviously you can't have the same guy. But it's literally a different guy almost every time. Um, a couple of people have played it more than once, but it's pretty much, you know, and it's always some somebody nondescript. Now, this time it's someone from Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, David Hedison. But um, I think that hurts in the long run that hurts it because you're just like, Oh, this is Felix, but you don't have any attachment to the guy, you know, cause it's just, mm. you know, actor a actor B actor C. Um, yeah. well, I'll tell you what, what tripped me out was back in the eighties, his wife was the third roommate. She was the third Chrissy replacement on three's company. It was uh, Priscilla <laughs> Barnes. She was Terry, the nurse. 
So I was like, why is Terry the nurse in a James Bond movie? It threw that th- took me out of it. But like today's audiences wouldn't, you know, she was like a low level, like kind of TV actress. And you're just like, why is she the James? Why is she his wife? That's so weird. And then uh, Carrie Lowell to me was cool, but she didn't seem like a regular Bond girl. I did like that she was tough and she could kill people. Like she was, she was like, she was pretty badass. She could, yeah. yeah. In that bar fight, she's really, she's really kicking ass in that bar fight. <laughs> I did like that, but she didn't seem like a good fit for Bond. It was kind of weird, but, uh, but yeah. yeah, you're right. It is more of like a like a revenge action movie than a James Bond movie. Yeah, and you don't really see him do that. Not not go that far. Mm-hmm. Did you like Timothy Dalton? He even hit his own people. I'm like, oh, okay. Did you like? Rogue. Did you like Timothy Dalton in this one? Because I know you liked him in Living Daylights. Did you? Did you? I feel like if this was a rated R movie, he would be doing a lot more damage, and it would be even more fun. But, um, I like him. Yeah, I like him as James Bond. I just I think it's different. I don't know if it's the I don't know if it's the script or the director. No, it'll be the script. I don't know if it's him or not doing the calls, but it's just completely different. I would say maybe this, the writers, but I don't know. I guess he's fine. I'm it glad. could have been anyone, really. Mm. The story I don't think was that's, different. I don't, I don't think that's true because some people obviously have not done well as Bond. So I think you have to give him some credit for being suave and handling the action. Okay. I mean, <laughs> his, she did not. You know, Justine. I mean, his well, were saying for the best, and yeah, the fact that he gets so bloody and beat up, and you don't really ever see I mean, that. He's, he's believable. I think he's more believable throwing a punch than Roger Moore. You know, don't you think? Oh yes, for sure. Anyone is better than Roger Moore. <laughs> those, those fighting words. Those are fighting words. Poor Roger Moore. <laughs> and then you have Sean Connery, who's like. Oh, I got hurt, but he's always fine. Like nothing's moved; his hair hasn't moved. Um, <laughs> wow. Sean you know, Connery. You always put down. Wow. You know what? Wow. You always put down Connery, for, but he's the one guy who really could kick somebody's ass. He's really a guy who could box. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a. It was. I thought it was a good film, and his two ladies were so pretty. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think there was one line I didn't like. Oh, and he's like, it's a man's world. And I was like, shut the fuck up, James Bond. <laughs> yeah, but I think he was trying to, I think he was trying to be. Yeah, up to the, it's fine. It's uh, fine. Did, you, did you like young Benicio Del Toro? Was he sufficiently creepy for you? Oh, my gosh. I didn't know his teeth were like that back then. <laughs> like Bugs Bunny? <laughs> I, I saw him and I was like, oh, he's so cute when he's young. And then he smiled and I was like, what is this? <laughs> he had Humphrey Bogart smile. He had a Bogart his, smile. His teeth, his teeth look so big compared to his mouth. It's just creepy. He should have been the Joker. <laughs> Bogart. Bogart and you know teeth. what? He died like that show, um, The Floor is Lava. <laughs> he, just, like, <laughs> he disappears in the fog, and you're like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh. That's, uh, right when I saw it, I was like, oh, The Floor is Lava. He's yeah, gone. except yeah. instead of lava, you get ground to bits by the... By the thing, by the yeah. oh, great! That was such a great review, Justine. That was fantastic. <laughs> uh, um, oh, 
and then it had its cheesy like i felt like it kind of had a soap opera feel with the little triangle there because it also played some cheesy oh, yeah. music like the little saxophone uh, i couldn't stand that i couldn't stand it but you know what i oh. didn't know it we also had the. It was a James Bond film, so. We also had the great uh, Robert Davi is playing Brownface. He's an Italian guy playing a, playing a drug lord. So there you go, a Latino drug lord. So there you go. Uh, but you did have. Um, I I really feel like Benicio del Toro wrote this line, or said it because he said it in such a creepy way when he says, "We're going to give you a nice." Honeymoon. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> uh, Sounds like Del Toro. Uh, yeah, it does sound like him, right? All right, Justine, thank you for that. Uh, Jake, what did you think, man? What did you think of License to Kill? License to Ill. Better than, better than Roger Moore. Yeah? I feel like Roger Moore is getting attacked a lot right now, guys. I think anyone really is better than Roger Moore. You guys need to to revisit Roger Moore because Roger Moore is great. You need to watch him in Spy Who Loved Me, and you need to watch him in For Your Eyes Only, and those are great. All right, those are great. I feel like Roger Moore just got... Roger Moore just got the gimmicky... That's when the the franchise started to chase the trends. So they were no longer... And then I was going to... Go ahead. They didn't give anyone like crazy nicknames in this one, huh? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, like, like Holly, like Holly Goodhead, or oh yeah, no, no, <laughs> you're right. pussy. Like, yeah. <laughs> none of that was. I didn't hear anything like that. No, At least I didn't think I heard anything like that. Oh yeah, we're totally more, we're It was that. more current and more we're realistic. Way, we're way past the stupid names. <laughs> no, they'll come back. It's not like you were in the real world. Long, really, no, long gone. Guess long what? Gone guess what? They come back in Pierce Brosnan. Xena on a top. This is the one that feels like. Uh, this one does feel like the one that's like from the real world, you know, ripped from the headlines. Yeah. Yeah. This feels the one that. Uh, I think Justine's right. It feels like this is not stylized in any way. It's like a real action flick with no. Sort of, yeah. Craziness, the beginning you know? is just the, just the beginning's a little cheesy with the whole we're gonna drop in on the wedding and we gotta chase these guys and and uh, but uh, yeah, it gets pretty gritty for a James Bond movie. But you you so you liked it better than Roger Moore, uh, Jake. And what else? I'm sorry, we interrupted you. And I think that was accredited to the story. Yeah, the story felt it was ridiculous, but not beyond the point of believability. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think the the women in this one were fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful, powerful, important. Like, actually helped him, and not weren't just kind of. Well, I mean, the more nah. Well, carry low. Anyway. They're all, well, yeah. because I forgot, and I, oh, sorry, I forgot the. He's character. got pilots. Yeah, he's got a pilot. He's got a pilot in this one. And you you feel for this you do feel for the villains. I can't think of her name. I can't think of her character name. I'm so sorry. I can't, I can't think. Well, of her bless either. you. But Thank you. but uh, you know that she's being you know she's 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 being held under these horrible circumstances, and uh, so she she takes it upon herself. So she is. You're right. She is. She she can't quite be like a Carrie Lowell running around and kicking ass, but she does betray his confidence to help Bond. You know. So that makes her a Lupe very Lamora. yeah that makes her that makes her a very strong character I think you know because she's obviously in fear for her life but she also wants to 
bring this guy down so she does what she needs to do. So uh there you know there's I did like the end usually the end usually the ending is um just he gets the girl and they just bang it out off screen. <laughs> <laughs> this one is like, no, I actually love this there's a cute jester him jump up. No. Oh, that was so sweet. I like that. I like that. Uh, it shows it shows Bond's not at some soul. He's not a complete. And she got over it quickly. She's like, "You jumped for me." <laughs> <laughs> she got over that real that fast. Was, that was the some alpha male crazy shit. He's like, "No, I'm gonna show her I love her by jumping off the balcony." <laughs> <laughs> Didn't quite said, she said all as well. <laughs> It's like, it's like it's those it's those thoughts that you think of like when you're in when you're really desperate. Yeah, you're like, got it. Uh oh, we lost Good luck, everybody. That was like the that's like when uh, that's basically the James Bond version of standing out in the rain with a radio over his head. Taking <laughs> <laughs> taking take a leap of faith, you know, and just hoping everything's all right. That's it. That's it. Uh, yeah. Did you uh, did you enjoy Timothy Dalton this time around, uh, Jake? I, I don't I don't remember how you felt about him in Living Daylights. I don't remember if you liked him or not. Uh, I like this. I like Tim more in this one than Living Daylights. Okay. And it was probably because of the story. All right. Yeah. Feels a little bit more. Con- that. Feels a little bit a more contemporary. Story. A good story can make a good movie. Imagine that. Imagine, yeah. Sometimes James Bond mm-hmm. movies forget that. Sometimes they do let the story fall by the wayside. Uh, Patrick, what yeah. did you think, my man? You know, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jake. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to hear. Shoot on skis. That's what we need. We need more shooting on skis. Yes. I feel like that's that's the thought process of James Bond. He's shooting on skis. Okay. Um, all right. We did the skis. We got to go bigger. What are we doing? Shoot lasers in outer, <laughs> in outer space. And then now we got a. Where do you, where do you from there? We got a guy with metal teeth. Put get, put put lasers in the teeth. Put lasers in the teeth. Laser, yes. Laser teeth. Next movie. Laser teeth. <laughs> James he Bond loves lasers. <laughs> laser teeth. Laser teeth. Quick, he get, loves lasers. Get Shirley Bassey in here. That's right. Tooth laser. He's the man. <laughs> the man with the laser in his tooth. <laughs> I say forsooth. It is the truth. <laughs> tooth, tooth laser. Burns a hole. <laughs> In your heart. <laughs> uh, guys, let's get back to the let's get back to the Thanks matter at hand. James Bond movie. Uh, Patrick, what'd you think? Like, hey, oh, I'm sorry, Jake. Had you seen this before? Had you seen no. this? You had never seen this one before. Okay, uh, Patrick, what did you think, my man? Uh, I think just seen hit the nail on the head. This feels like an American movie it doesn't feel quite like a james bond film Mm -hmm. um just with the whole premise and him kind of going rogue like you don't see that as often with james bond films and so it i don't know if it works for me uh, i kind of wish there was like some more gadgets in this and it was just a little 
I felt like a drug film. It didn't feel like a Bond film. Okay. Did uh, was it was the appearance of Q enough to save it for you, or? I mean, it was nice to see him in there and like doing stuff, but even then, I don't know. I it, it was okay. I didn't love it. No. What What would you have liked better? Um, like I said, I mean, I think while the villain villain was, you know, definitely a threat, I don't think he was a very fond villain. Um. He could easily have been replaced by any other drug lord, and it would have worked. Like, most Bond villains tend to be over the top and menacing. He only did really one thing that was a true Bond villain, which is where he straps him down to the conveyor belt and says, push the switch. <laughs> that was it. Oh, yeah, yeah. What uh, about when he blew up that guy and his face blew up? <laughs> I mean, you know, kind of, it's just like he's not, he's not as, like... You know, when you look at Bond villains, he doesn't stand out to me. He's not someone I would go and be like, oh, yeah, I remember him. But, you know, you remember, like, Dr. No or the man with the golden gun. Like, they stick out to you. And they're uh, – for some reason, I think Bond villains tend to be really iconic. And I don't think he was an iconic Bond villain. He felt like – Patrick, because he, he didn't live inside a uh, – his base wasn't inside a volcano. <laughs> right? Something like that. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that's that's really my 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 gripe with this is it's just like it didn't feel quite like a Bond film all the way. It was kind of something. It was a hybrid between just like your standard a drug action film and a Bond film. Okay, that's a fair assessment. I mean, you're not wrong. Some people went for it, and some people don't. Obviously, um, I would say that yeah, it's hard to do a drug a drug kingpin's kind of a generic character, and that's kind of hard. To, yeah, that, that's kind of. Um, Maybe less deserving, like Bond deserves a little bit more of a of a of a of a world class villain. I guess you would. Yeah, say. you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Yeah, it didn't work for you. That's fine. I ain't mad at you. I am not mad at I'm you at all, my friend. Uh, John, what did you think? Um, I like it, but I think everyone's right. This feels like this feels like an American action film. I think this plot has even been used, like in one of the Lethal Weapon movies. And um, it does feel a little generic. It, it feels more like just a sort of like your your standard American action film. But having said that, I think Robert Davi is menacing. You're right. He's not operatic. He's not like one of these villains that uh, has satellites. He's going to you know blow up a, a, an entire country or something. Um, usually Bond villains are larger than life. They're like almost comic booky. You know, they've got. Uh, and this one just feels mm-hmm. like a like a like a real world villain, like a real, like, you know, like a real. He feels like a real world criminal. Like his his whole scheme is not some giant threat to the entire yeah. world. Yeah, it seems very. Um, that's the thing that makes James Bond kind of fun is that it's usually larger than life, and this feels very much of the real world. And um, the one thing I will give Robert Davi is that he is very menacing. You absolutely believe that he's capable of all that stuff, and it doesn't hurt that the first thing he does is feed. Uh, Felix to the sharks, you know, so you tend to believe the threat behind the, you know, a genuine threat behind all the, uh, uh, you know, everything that's going on. But, and it was fun, fun to see a young Benicio del Toro for sure. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I enjoyed it, but it's probably the, it's the James Bond movie that feels the least like a James Bond movie. That's for sure. And um one thing that's funny about everyone saying this has an American feel to it is uh, when they were going to try to give it the title, the original title was going to be License Revoked. 
And they said, nope, that won't work because Americans, when they hear the phrase license revoked, they think that he lost his driver's license. <laughs> That's what it sounded like when you, when you said it. Yeah. So they said, we've got to make it. I think this is the f- first James Bond movie that um, is not use a, using. Yeah, it's not one of the book titles. Exactly. They were yeah, starting to is. run out of book titles. I think they were they were running out of book titles and starting to use like um, titles that he'd used for short stories. And they said, we're completely out. We're out of titles. So what do we come up with? And uh, License to Kill makes sense. License Revoked would have just been silly. you know. Yeah. See, that's how much I like this film. You looked into yeah. the trivia. On it. Yeah. What else did you find um, in your... Uh, about it. I mean, it was just a lot of people saying how this is not a Dean Brown film, and it's, sh- and then there were people who kind of, kind of praised it, kind of. No, I, I but liked they were it. Saying like this was one of the worst, but I didn't think so. No, so I, I don't. Stop reading it. This is not. This is not anywhere near the worst for me, and I think that it gets. No, it, no, it, no. It gets kind of lost in the shuffle because of all the all the points we brought up. It doesn't feel like a true James Bond movie, but at the same time. He's he. It's not supposed to. He's out. He's gone rogue, like like Justine said. He's he's like living by his wits, you know, without the gadgets. He's just got to be out there trying to do what he does and infiltrate. And I love what I love about this movie is that his name doesn't seem to have the cachet that it has in other movies. You know, it's not like the waters part when you find out James Bond is here. He's like he's really got to like work his way. He's really got to figure things out. You know. And yeah, I love when they said. Uh... He says, check up on this guy. And he goes, you'll never believe who this is. Yeah, I know. He's like an ex-British secret agent, right? <laughs> yeah, because he, he, yeah, he tells him the truth. It's like he, it's like playing a game. It yeah. It's like, it's like playing a game of secret Hitler with the guys. It's like, I got to tell the truth and that'll get me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I yeah. love that. I love that kind of stuff. I love that. You know, I love the, I love the movies most that he has to live by his wits. You know, that's why the, that's why well, the, what's the, what's the, um, What's the Iron Man where he's he doesn't have his armor? Is that the third one where he's just kind of got to get by yeah. without the armor? Yeah, yeah. And like he's got to kind of hardwire, got to kind of make do with uh, that kid, you know, and whatever yeah. te- whatever technology he can kind of cobble together. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think Timothy Dalton's a good Bond. It's too bad he didn't get to do more than two, but the wait was going to be too long. They said by the time the third one was going to be ready to shoot. It was going to be way too long, and he just thought he'd bow out. Controversial, controversial like pick. I probably would have liked Golden Be- Golden Eye better if it was if it was uh, Timothy Dalton in there rather than. Uh... Yeah, you know, you uh, you said it. I think a couple episodes back that this sort of um, these are grittier, and it kind of sets the stage for what Daniel Craig would do, which is making them feel like they're more in the real world. It's outlandish stuff, but it feels like it's got a foot in the real world, and. I'd say that pretty much starts with these two. Um, you kind of lose that a little bit when you go with uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, John, do you want to rank this one? Oh, did I, uh, John, I didn't ask you anything else. Did uh, Did you see this in the oh. theaters? Did you happen to see this back in 89? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I saw it when it came out. I, I never missed a James Bond movie. <laughs> I saw it. They were I loved all great, it. but I, I, yeah. I loved it back yeah, then. I always liked Timothy Dalton. You know, he used to turn up in things kind of under the radar. People didn't really know who he was, but I always thought he was a good actor. And I thought, this is an impossible job to take this over. 
from two iconic, whether you like Roger Moore or not, he's iconic. Connery is certainly iconic. And I thought, you know, uh, he did a hell of a job stepping into those shoes. Yeah, made it his own for sure. I wish he would have done more. That's my only That's my only regret. Uh, let's rank this baby. Yeah. John, what do you give a License to Kill? Uh, I'll give it like a seven. All right. Jake? I'll agree with John. I think it's a solid seven. Solid seven. Uh, Patrick? Six and a half. 6.5. Still not a bad score. Uh, Justine Weenie. Mm, I give it an 8. Ocho. That's a good score for you. Man, you had a good week, huh? You pretty... I thought he was cute. Yeah? <laughs> what about young Benicio? You didn't like young Benicio? <laughs> <laughs> I think so no far defensive. People, What about him, huh? The people I like who play James Bonds are the ones who didn't stick around, like Lazenby did one. He yeah. did two. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> the next person to do only three, I'll probably like. <laughs> oh well, Craig and and Brosnan have already broken that. Uh, have already broken. So you have to wait yeah. for the new guy. Uh, well, I'm going to give this one a seven. I give uh, License to Kill us. It's a solid movie and one that I don't watch enough. But I agree. I I can see why Patrick. I can see why you like a little bit less, and I can see why Justine likes it a little bit more. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, I do like the truck stunts. I think that whole sequence, while ridiculous, is great. I love that whole stuff. That was impressive. Yeah. They they do some really good physical. And I love, I always forget that Wayne Newton pops up as the televangelist. I love that guy. I love that character. I just love that guy. He says, and Wayne Newton looks like he's having a lot of fun. (laughs) Making money off the poor with the slick back hair, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, but he just had that great catchphrase. God bless you, child. <laughs> bless your heart. Bless your heart. We lost you guys for bless just a, money. We lost you guys for just a half second there. So, uh, but but it's all good now. Sorry, mm-hmm. I apologize. But yeah, Wayne Newton was fantastic in it, and uh, a lot of great. And I love that Q gets any movie where Q gets more screen time. I, I'm not I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah, and I liked it. Him and him and. Uh, he and Carrie Lowell get kind of turned into like a little comedy team for a couple of scenes. They kind of get to, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And Carrie Lowell is great, by the way. She really does uh, match him toe to toe. You know, she she really does. Yeah, you know, she, you know, it's easy for those for the women that get cast in Bond movies to disappear into those roles. And I thought she did a great job. I thought she. Really- I think you believe it when, when they get in that that bar fight. You believe it, you know whether that's her or a stunt woman. You totally believe that that's her throwing the punches, and then she's so beautiful on top of that, you know. So. Yeah, she got perfect that eighties perfect Bond girl. She got that eighties hair. She get, she wears the slick. <laughs> and she's got this. She really slicks it back when she gets in the dress and does all that, and uh, then she does the jump, and all. we love that. But yeah. A uh, little less hair gel. This would have gotten an uh, eight from me, but uh, the, the use of hair gel was uh, egregious. Egregious use of hair gel. <laughs> but, uh, That'd be a great review. An egregious use of hair gel. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, overall, I like this. And if you, if, you, if, you, if you haven't visited this one yet and you like the James Bond movies and you kind of want to see a preview of what's to come with the Daniel Craig's checkout license to kill. All right, guys. That's a, What a great little week we had now next week coming up on the digital movie club it's blockbuster week we have uh indiana jones and the last crusade i believe is that correct justine mm-hmm. no no what is it no 
do the right thing and glory. Oh, do the right thing and glory. So, and then the week after that will be, uh, we're going to do Indiana ba- Jones and the Last Crusade and Lethal Weapon Two. When are we doing Back to the Future Two? Oh, sorry, Back to the Future Two and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Okay, so sorry. coming up this week. So coming up this week, Glory and uh, and do the right thing. That's going to be another blockbuster week. Fantastic. Uh, two great movies, um, and uh, hopefully you will enjoy them both. Uh, oh, I got a little message there. It's going to be a big one. Yeah, we're, it's going to be a good week. Have you seen either of those, Justine? I have never seen Glory. I love Do the Right Thing. Okay. Um, but no, I haven't seen Glory. How about you? Anybody, anybody else seen Glory? I, I know John has. Yeah, I've seen them both. All right. Jake? How about Jake? All right. Well, it's, I think I it's just Ferris Bueller, Ferris Bueller in the Civil War. Justine, I think you're going to love it. Hmm. I think you're going to love. Uh, it. Oh, you know what? I think Amazon recommended it to me after seeing all the movies you were watching. <laughs> after the longest day, and, and I dirt- was like, "Yeah, I was like, I think I'm going to watch this soon." So I haven't watched it. <laughs> okay. Well, you're going to see it soon. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, hopefully, this week, uh, good luck to our Dodgers. Good luck to our Lakers. By the time we talk next week, maybe one of those teams will be crowned champion and the other will be well on their way. Uh, shout out to uh, all of our supporters and friends out there. And uh, guys, if you could give us a follow on the Twitter, that'd be great. At Soup Complex, S-O-U-P Complex. Write a review on iTunes. Uh, there's, a, there's a website called Podchaser. We're up there as well. You can write a review, leave some nice uh, reviews, and write some stars for us. So we or drop some stars for us. You know, we like to get uh, we like to get the feedback and hit us up on on Twitter uh, whenever you want. We will answer your questions. We are very interactive. Um, at uh, we have no shame at uh, Super Complex. Oh, that's what I needed to talk about, John. I didn't know this. Disney is redoing the right stuff as a series on Disney really? Plus. Yes. Uh, the the wow. preview. It, oh yeah, it's a National Geographic show. Yeah, it's National. It'll be on Disney Plus, and it's straight out of the, it's the right stuff. It, they even have the scene where where it was in the movie. It was uh, uh, Ren, uh, Dennis Quaid driving to the um, uh, um, airbase. What? We're gonna get cut off right now. No, not yet. Twenty seconds. All right, guys. Listening to Good Golly Miss Molly. I don't know. They didn't show that, but look for it, and we'll give you our review. All right, guys. So for Jake, for Patrick, for Justine, for John, we will say this transmission ends now. Fight the power.